This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Troisar, hello, welcome to the latest episode of Rob Ryan Red. You know the drill. We're brought to you in association with Red Tent People Development. We might as well shout out Hypnotic. We're going to be thanking them towards the end as well for the stings that Nate will have put in this podcast at some point. I mean, where do we start, Nate? We've already been back for one emergency pod this week. Ben Foster, his shock retirement, shall we say, after the 5 all draw with Swindon last weekend. But we've not actually really picked apart that manic game at the Kairas. Uh, We'll get into that on today's podcast. We'll also hear from a Barrow reporter ahead of our trip to Holker Street this weekend. And we'll take a brief look as well at Wrexham's clash against Bradford City in the Carabao Cup. We've got dreams there, haven't we? Drinking the Carabao again. Of course, if Wrexham do beat Bradford, we could be getting a Premier League team as well. So we're very excited. Lots to get through. I'm Rich Fay. I'm delighted, as I've just teased, to be joined by Nafe. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm good. What a bloody busy week. You know, we used to say last season, the joke was, oh, it's never a dull week with Wrexham. And I was looking forward to my Monday day off. I'd uh, done a lot of lot of, lot of of work, a lot of night shifts. I thought, Monday, I can do me washing, I can do me uh, ironing, I can do all that. And then Ben Foster decided he was going to retire in the morning. And that was, that was it then for the rest of the day. And I you know, really appreciate everyone who's watched that video and uh, listened to that. But it kind of it kind of parked the fallout from the Swindon game because it was so manic, you know. Uh, uh, five uh, four one, I you know I tweeted that it was embarrassing, and by the end we had people coming back to us, Rich saying, "Oh, um, you know this hasn't aged very well or whatever." And I felt like it aged absolutely fine. It was an embarrassing first half, an unbelievable second half, very Wrexham. It was very Wrexham. It was the new Wrexham, and I tweeted that the weekend that. When we were four one down, this is what watching Wrexham used to be like, and then by full time, is this is what watching the new Wrexham is like because they've got that spirit, they've got that togetherness, and they fight towards the end as well. It's it's fantastic to see. And the Swindon game oddly remind me so much of MK Dons because there was a time in that MK Dons game on the opening day where I thought 
we could come back here and win this or we could get more goals. And we were all over them as well. We just didn't take those chances. We didn't quite dominate as much as we, as we should have done. But yeah, I agree with you, Nath, that you can still be critical of the performance and you could full time. The emotion is relief and jubilation. And I remember series one of the dark welcome direction. Rob explains, doesn't he, that some draws feel like a defeat. Some draws feel like a win coming from four, one down and then clawing it back two goals and added on time to draw five all very much feels like a win, but you can still accept that large portions of it felt like not just a, a defeat, but a humiliating and unacceptable defeat. And, Certain standards just weren't weren't met at all in that first half. It was, you know, pathetic at times that the manner at which we were carved open, and that is a real concern going forward. The good news, and you've got to take the positives so early in the season, is that we showed so much togetherness and fight to get back into the game. But you can't get carried away by that and see it as a point gain because you've got to still look at the fundamental errors that, if they aren't addressed sooner or later will continue to cost us throughout the campaign. Yeah, I think the positive that I have is that if, I know this is an if and a conditional and it didn't happen, but if Wrexham had scored and made it 4-4 when Ryan Barnett flashes one across the box, I mean, Oli Palmer, I don't know. I mean, does he get a touch? It looks like he gets the faintest of touches. It doesn't go in. I think if that goes in at that moment, Wrexham probably go on and win the game. I know Swindon were good going forward, but... Look, over the first four games, four league games, Wrexham had 82 shots. 82 shots over the first... And that, you know, that's without Paul Mullen on the end to convert them. So think how much... All right, we're going to get into a big debate this week about the defence and how you know, cataclysmic and how, how disastrous they've been at times. But going forward, even with our midfield woos, which we've talked about, you know, you you always texted me now about the Luke, my Luke Young propaganda and all that sort of stuff. Even as there, I think I'm, I think I've been converted this week. You've been converted, even though there's even though there's problems in midfield and problems at the back. You've got to say 82 shots over four games. No wonder you're the league's top scorers. You know you are creating chances and imagine, and that's not a knock on Bickerstaff or um, Palmer or Waters or Dolby, but just add Mullen into that, and you are you are going to see plenty of high-scoring games, from our side at least. Today, I'm recording this on the Wednesday, it, during work, I had one of those. You know we just procrast- procrastinate for a while? And I was doing that to the extreme. I hope my bosses aren't listening. And I just ended up watching Wrexham versus Notts County highlights, Wrexham versus Bournemouth highlights, both Wrexham versus Sheffield United game highlights, and what else did I watch? Wrexham versus Coventry highlights. And... I know it's cliche, but every single one of those games, Paul Mullen's the best player. And when you actually watch him and go back and look at those games again, he is going to transform our fortunes. And I do think when he's back, it's going to feel a bit like a magic wand solution. And that's what gives me the encouragement. You know, we can be doom and gloom and we are probably be a bit negative on the defensive aspects in a minute. But the positive for me, I do want this to be the overarching theme really is, scored 13, conceded 13, but that's without Paul Mullen. We've scored... By, we've scored so many goals and that's without our best striker. If we can sort out what's happened at the other end, welcome back Paul Mullin. We've got to be outscoring teams for fun this season. And we've got so much attacking quality that there will be basketball games where we win 5-3 or we win 4-2. And I know some managers don't like that. Some fans don't like that. They'd rather have just a boring 1-0 win and they sh- that's seen as a sign of consistency. But the fact of the matter is, if you win 6-0, you win 1-0. You win 6-5, you win 1-0. It's still three points. As long as Wrexham are winning games, 
right now, I think that's all we need to start building that momentum, getting up the table. Once we've got a few wins under our belt, I think the confidence comes defensively as well. So I think one little aspect of it will be just once we've got that momentum going and we've become more confident, lots of the areas the areas will be will be gone then anyway. So yeah, I do think that overall Wrexham are in a very good position right now and we can't be too negative, but it's very valid to criticise the defensive aspects. Yeah, I mean, before I get into my argument, I was just going to say, it, it is fixable. You know, Phil Parkinson's prided himself on being this, he's got this reputation as a, as a defensive manager, and yet 5-5, five, 5-3, five, five, three, seven, five, uh, six, five. I mean, he's not exactly been the most conservative manager at the race course, has he, in particular? We've had a lot of humding, humdinger games. I think there are patterns defensively that have proven we aren't, the most solid that we, you know, think of under the Dean Keats era, we were rock solid, you know, with Rob Lainton in goal, Sean Pearson, Manny Smith, those kind of players. We had, you know, record number of clean sheets and things like that, but we were squeaking games 1-0. So like you said, some people will prefer that, others won't, others will prefer the swashbuckling football. But the way Wrexham and Phil Parkinson will look at it and go, we haven't really hit top gear yet, which is impossible really without Paul Mullin. You then add in Paul Mullin, and then you tighten up even a little bit at the back and suddenly draws are turning into wins and win after win after win and suddenly you're up the table and and things can look very different very quickly. Um, but defensively, Rich, you have to say that nobody in that back line right now is is fulfilling their potential. You know, Toza was lucky to get away with um lucky to get away without not you know without scoring an own goal. You know, a pass back to Foster nearly went in, clips the post. Will Boyle's had bright moments, but him and O'Connell have looked in trouble, especially we had it at times last season with Aaron Hayden, but, you know, just heading the ball away, but heading it right to someone on the edge of the box, you know, heading it straight back into danger. Um, Ryan Barnett and Jacob Mendy, I mean, you know, you saw them in, in that first half, brushed off the ball, caught under the ball. I think they were kind of taught a valuable lesson of the level that it's going to take to defend in this league. You know, it's not just going to be front foot attacking football all the time. I mean, Charlie Austin getting, you know, peeling off Ryan Barnett. He must have been licking his lips at that matchup because that was just a total mismatch, you know, defensively. You've got an ex-Premier League striker against a a winger, essentially, that's being converted into a wing-back that's never played in the Football League before. Mendy, you know, has had production, in these games, don't get me wrong, goal, assist, 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 he's racking them up. Um, and and by the way, Mendy, I think last season, I think he's really worked on it over the summer. He did, I don't think he had an assist last season for Wrexham. I think I, I did crunch the numbers. I don't think he had a single assist last year um, for Wrexham, and he's already got three. So, you know, that's an area of game. If he can end up getting 10, 10 plus assists, I think that's massive um, for his output. But yeah, Rich, I think the, the key words, we use them on Twitter, we've used them on other podcasts. Defensively, I think it's been a massive reality check for a group of players that I think weren't asked to defend much at all, especially towards the back end of last season. I agree with that. I also think the other the other sort of aspect in it all is that last season you just think you could give away chances, but you weren't getting as punished as, as emphatically, really. And there's there's a couple of points I want to get onto. Uh, one of the, one that I'll start with as well is I do think that there's an element of poor game management in the sometimes when we concede, we immediately try and chase a goal and equaliser. And we had, Parky's first season in particular, we had this habit of hitting back instantly. I think the players are still in that habit. You know, 
when it works, it's brilliant. But if you look at the Swindon game, the third and fourth goal, three minutes apart. MK Dons on the opening day, the first two goals, four minutes apart. You know, we, what tends to happen with Wrexham is when we do concede a lot of goals, we can see two quick fire goals and it can get out of your control at I know we've got the ability to score quick fire goals as well, but I do think sometimes that once you concede, I know we've got this habit of just wanting to go on the front foot and to try hit back immediately. But sometimes you just need to try to take the sting out of the game and to kill off your opponent's momentum. I think that's something that until we have, like I said, got this string of wins behind our back and got this confidence and we're playing, you know, just a bit freer, really, we might need to try and be a bit more conservative of our approach. And if we do concede a goal, we say, right, Next five minutes, let's just try not concede another. Let's try get back into the game by keeping the ball. Maybe try have a chance or two ourselves, but don't go too gung ho. Don't don't think you've got to hit back immediately. It, you know, if you, concede, if you concede early on in the game, because we've got so much potential still left to, to go create chances. The other aspect I want to make, you touched upon it there really, is it isn't just the centre backs. Just as it wasn't just Ben Foster, why we conceded five goals at the weekend. I do think that you know. Fundamentally, he there was a lot. There's been a lot of shots. He said himself, three or four this season. He should have saved. He didn't. That's the end of it. But we saw from the Owen O'Connell own goal against MK Dons, there was a lack of communication there. But we've seen in all the games that for me, it's a combination of an underperforming goalkeeper, back three who maybe are missing out from having a vocal goalkeeper, someone who was really commanding them and barking at them and, uh, and getting them in position because Ben Foster just looked a shadow of his former self in those first few games. I think wing-backs, like you said, I think if you've got four of the McFadden playing, you're going to have more defensive cover. We've gone for Barnett and Mendy for the majority of this season already. And I also think it comes down to midfield. I think if you had a midfield protection of O'Connor and then either Young or Jones, maybe right now Young, but you know James Jones scored twice at the weekend. He showed that he didn't play bad. It's I, I can see why he'd want both of them in the team based on what we saw against... Uh, against Swindon, really. But I think, you know, if you've got defensive full-backs, wing-backs, you've got O'Connor and someone else shielding a midfield, I think that's a lot of your, your problem solved there and then anyway. But I do agree that there's been a lot of individual errors as well. But I just think fundamentally the whole team has just been a bit too open in attacking, really. I just, I, maybe, again, because you're behind the goal, so you get that kind of viewpoint of you can see each layer of the pitch, you know, and, and, and as an attack build. Do you not just think, though, that the team as a whole is pretty quiet when they're out there? I mean, Luke Young... We're Luke... good at shouting after mistakes. Right. But we're not good at commanding and vocalising. And You know, it is cliche, but and I'll, I'll give you an anecdotal example. When we played in our most recent media game, Man United Press against Man United Press Office or whatever, their media team, they put Darren Fletcher... Champions League winners, former Scotland international in midfield for them because they really want to win this game. And obviously we're just press playing a game. So, you know, you don't really say anything. Darren Fletcher was barking orders for the full 90 minutes, talking every single player through it. If you've got someone vocal there telling you what to do, reassuring you, barking out orders, being loud and vocal, it makes such a difference. And like I said, I just feel that we only see Toza sort of being loud after a mistake's happened or after we've just got away with something, I would like to see players. And I know it's so loud that maybe we, we're underestimating just how loud some of these players are on the pitch. But I do feel that they're just not communicating and talking and you know giving words of encouragement as much. And I think that obviously they're a great team and you don't, you don't come back on Saturday 
unless you've got brilliant team spirit and a great ethos. But I do feel, like I said, that maybe we are missing someone just to bark orders and, and talk people through it and give them reassurance, tell them they've got a man on, tell them when they've got time. I just do think that sometimes we look a bit flustered. There is the caveat that, you know, Sean Pearson, for example, was a very vocal leader. There are others that said, like, Manny Smith was a leader by example. Luke Young is supposedly a leader by example. You know, um, Ben Tozer, I mean, he's not radio silent, but maybe he is more of a leader by example type. You saw at the weekend um, during the Swindon game, you know, O'Connell and Tozer really going at it. You know, they were really going at it um, after a mistake. Boyle and, I mean, what is it? Foster shoved Boyle. Yeah, in the chest. Yeah. And again, I have no issue with that on the pitch. I'll be honest, Rich, very quickly, I'll say I have no issue with that. If it spills over into the dressing room, that's when you've got problems. But if they cross the white line, as they say, and it's forgotten about and, and you move on, then then it is what it is. But I, maybe I'm a little bit old school. Maybe I kind of was drawn a bit more to that Sean Pearson. But Rob Layton, when he plays, you can hear him. I know there's a 10,000 crowd. You can just hear him. Away game at Wimbledon. I just couldn't, I couldn't hear that one voice that was just like, bellowing across the pitch and talking players through and tuck in and push up and go for it and draw in and I don't know maybe 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 I'm being too unfair in terms of players characters but I think we're maybe missing that real vocal vocal leader vocal presence in a time of strife which is you know when you're two one down three one down and you need someone to really get a grip of it yeah again I'm not just Bentos is a brilliant leader he leads by example and right. by, by wearing the armband and by being vocal on the pitch. It's not just down to him. But yeah, I do feel at times that we maybe lack that direction. I suppose the the real question is then, what happens? What changes this? Getting a new, fresh facing goal, Mark Howard, you know, last season people were critical that he wasn't vocal enough. When when he when he is going to come back in except for this weekend game against Barrow, who knows what, what the next few weeks will hold ahead. I think having someone you know, in goal, who's vocal, who commands the area well. That was what Ben Foster last season did so well. He, you could really tell that he commanded his area. His distribution was 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 good. Like I said, this season just a complete different entity, and you can't really categorize that compared to last season. So I think goalkeeper could could see us have that improvement. Like I said, midfield changes as well. Maybe Anthony Ford starting games with Barnett as a as a super sub, really, someone who can run at tired legs for for games where there's not an onus on us to attack. But in terms of personnel, then, we've still got so many defenders. We've got so many brilliant defenders. To, incidentally, today I was speaking to a Carlisle United reporter and he the first thing he asked me was, how is Aaron Hayden getting on? He was saying how much Carlisle miss him, how much they miss him from set pieces still, what a nice guy he is. And I was like, yeah, God, we miss him too. We miss him too because he's been injured and we've, we've not had that luck really of him having a, a run of games now for, for a long time. It feels about sort of a year, really, since we saw him have that, that last prolonged spell in the team. Does he come straight back in for you then? And who else is in that, that, that back three then? Because you can look at every single centre-back and make a real good case for them to start. There's always there's always the thing of when you don't play. I've said this before, when you don't play, your stock goes up. Luke Young's stock absolutely rocketed when he didn't play against MK Dons and when he didn't play against Chesterfield the season before. I'm wondering now if when fit, Jordan Tonicliffe plays on the left and Aaron Hayden plays on the right and you've got Bentozer in the middle and we've almost gone back to the three that really got this journey going. Um, 
I'm a big fan of Max, but really, I mean, I'm looking at teams like Barra, big team, Sutton, a big team, you know, these strikers. And I just, I, I like a lot of what Tonicliffe offers. I like a lot of what Boyle offers as well. But I, I just think, particularly Owen O'Connell, I think he could do with coming out of the team. I think he could just do with a reset. Um, and, if, and if that's Aaron Hayden to go in there, I'd be more than happy with that doesn't make O'Connell a bad player overnight. It doesn't make any of these players a bad player overnight, but we've got deep squads now. And I think for certain players, sometimes you need to pull them out. You need to chuck the towel in and let them regroup before they go back because, you know, it, sometimes it's, it's going to get worse before it gets better. And I think that there's, there's, there's clever management in just pulling someone out and, and giving someone a go. Aaron Hayden hasn't played since, what, January against Sheffield United. Um, he must be chomping at the bit, back in training. Um, and Jordan Tonnikov, I know with his back problem, but he must be ready ready to go in, in in the coming weeks. So I wonder if that's a three to go back to, personally. Got members of Jordan Tonnikov only is it only lost one match that he's started for Wrexham? Was that the Halifax game? Oh, because he didn't start the Sheffield United second leg. No, no. I think he, I think he's only lost one match that he started. Jordan Tonnikov again, a player who you maybe take for granted when he's out of the team. Same, you know, we're so lucky with the players we've got. It's certainly not a case of saying go buy someone else. But I do think that by going by that back, four, back three, I think really harsh and Will Boyle, who I think has been, I've been really impressed with since he started his, his start of life at Wrexham. And he has the similar quality of Aaron Hayden of being absolutely brilliant in the air. He could have a, had a couple more at the weekend as well. So I think for me, it would probably be Boyle, Hayden, Tozer. Yeah. Imagine Boyle and Hayden both going for those Bento's a long throws. That is so dangerous. And that's also a, another point that when Wrexham don't have Boyle or Hayden on the pitch, we've got this reputation of being really deadly from set pieces, but but we're not. It's just all Aaron Hayden, basically. If you could have the option of Hayden and Boyle, these two aerial specialists, that would cause so much chaos for opposition defenders because who do you specialise? Who do you try and man-mark? You can't really have players dedicated to stopping both of them because you want to double up on Aaron Hayden. You want to double up on Will Boyle. So you've already taken four centre-backs out, you know, or four defenders or defensive players out of the out of the situation by then. So for me, yeah, the thought of Hayden and Boyle both chasing long balls and long throws into the box. Oh, I love it. I, I absolutely love it. I'm not, I'm not against that at all. What I would say quickly on set pieces, how have we got no one else other than Luke Young that knows how to take a corner? Like surely that is I'm something love, you can practice. I'm in love with Elliot Lee, but when you stand over corners, mate, <laughs> like how can my, no my one? Ta- roll back. How can no one take one? I don't get it. Like surely that is just something you can practice. I think to, in, in defence of Elliot Lee, I think he goes quite often for like high risk corners where he drills them in near post. But if he doesn't get the trajectory perfect, it just hits the first man. But if it works, you've then got a chance immediately off. Do you know what I mean? Sort of first time. You've got the power there already. The the player who connects the ball doesn't have to worry too much about that. It's just about placement. Whereas Luke Young, there was a couple of dreadful deliveries of the weekend in particular. No I do way. think Luke Young was some of them, but he's so much more consistent. And yeah, you just just I think that we'd have more. I mean, Jordan Davis is good at set pieces, but he I know he's injured now, but he also is good in the air. So you, the trade off there is who do you want Jordan Davis taking the set piece or trying to score at the other end? So. That's a real difficult one. I mean, last season, uh, two seasons ago, for example, he scores directly from a corner against Dover and then he scores from a corner against Dover as well. It scores 
or, you know, in the Notts County, in the Grimsby games, isn't he? In the playoff um, semi-final, he scores from the corner as well. So, yeah, I'm just, I, I don't know who else. I mean, Barnett is p- supposedly, what was he? He had the best crossing stats in the National mm. League, the best percentile of, of getting high balls into the box. So surely Ryan Barnett on corners would be worth a shout because he's usually there for the second ball, isn't he? He's usually a short option to try hook a hook a cross back in. But yeah, Ryan Barnett corners, I'm all for that. Rich, I guess one of the other topics before we move on to a certain striker that is in red hot form, midfield's such a strange one, isn't it? Because you look at that first half, and I I don't repeat some of our WhatsApp messages, and they can very much stay to everybody's imagination. I do get carried away in the moment every single home game. I, do you want my fear is Nate? My fear is someone sort of being sat behind me at a game and taking a picture of what I'm writing on, on WhatsApp. Oh God, let's hope not. I think I'd have to cancel the podcast. Yeah, we might be cancelled. I then. think I threw everyone under the bus in the first half on Saturday. Right, so, you know, you definitely weren't singing the praises, neither of us were, of uh, any of the midfielders. And yet we walk away from that game with a couple of goals for Elliot Lee, a couple of goals for James Jones, the first one of which... I mean, I saw that goal and I thought, Rich is going to love this one. You love those tip-tappy, tick-attacker. It reminded me of his goal against Alti. Yeah. Slightly. Yeah. Slightly. And, 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 you know, and then Luke Young, I mean, Andy Cannon, again, you'd have to say probably didn't take his chance. But he he was, he did play a role at the start of that second half in, in turning things around. Looked better than he did in the first half. It's such a conundrum, that, because you're a massive Tom O'Connor fan, as am I. He's not been injured. He's just been taken out of the firing line last couple of games and it's a funny old one isn't it it's a funny old one with the personnel we've they've not really changed a great deal and yet Parky can't quite settle on what he likes yeah it's really interesting I'm sure that a lot of it will have to do with the opposition we're up against and having legs in midfield really just to have that energy and being able to play I mean Parky is one his Parky's teams are so good particularly Wrexham at the transitions, getting the ball from one end of the pitch to the other in super breakneck speed. You think of all those Wrexham goals and all those Wrexham chances last season where we win the ball deep and in two, three passes, we're down the other end. Paul Mullins bounded down on goal. You think of, for me particularly being in the tech end, how often you watch Wrexham attacks come at you and it's two or three players just racing forward. Wrexham is so good at getting the ball from one end to the other. And I think that's what Andy Cannon and James Jones offer. I think that's why they are really rated by Parkey because they're so good at, at moving the ball quickly. Tom O'Connor, a bit more methodical, a bit slower and more careful with, with possession, which has its positives, has its cons. But for me, I mean, if you go back and listen to last season's pods, Tom O'Connor was arguably my player of the calendar year from January to the end of the season. He was superb. And I thought he was, you know, at the heart of most things we did well. So yeah, I, I, I think that he's so good and he's obviously come from football league pedigree anyway, that he's got to be in the team for me. And like you said, Andy Cannon, I'm not trying to circle him out as the the, the only underperformer because he's not. But I do think that he's not done enough for me really to justify keeping that starting role every week. Some games, like I said, I think he's suited to it. But in matches where we've got a bit more defensive responsibility and we need to take things a little bit slower, I think Tom O'Connor has to start for me. And then again... 
it's Elliot Lee, and then you may have a fight over James Jones or Luke. <laughs> I, I mean, I given my size, I'm backing you in that fight. I'm not going to back myself. Um, so hopefully we don't fight. But what, like, before we maybe get into the Barrow report, and then we'll chat about a striker. What, what you know, you're talking about going for the opposition. What, what do you think you go for this weekend? Then because Barrow away notoriously difficult. They're a good team. They're on, you know, they're well drilled under Pete Wilde. It's not a place where you want to go and be frivolous with the ball. It is a place where you want to try as best you can and keep possession and keep Barrow frustrated and 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 away from causing danger. Do you go for, for example, do you go for a double pivot? Do you go for a young O'Connor Lee? Do you want that boundless energy? Do you want to slow the get? What do you think in terms of if you were setting us up to play against Barrow this weekend? I think first and sort of fundamentally, I think there's got to be a real difference this season between our home and away games. I think there's got to be a lot like Wimbledon away again. I think it's going to be a lot scrappier. There's going to be far fewer chances in the game. So I think you've just got to have a, a solid base from what to build, really. Conditions, I've not checked the weather, but Manchester today on Wednesday night is absolutely grim. You know, it's windy, it's wet. Barrow will be even worse on Saturday if the weather's anything like like this. And I've just checked my my app now it says 50% chance of rain on Saturday for me at this moment in time of recording so I do think it's going to be a game where the elements might have an influence on it I think Wrexham have to set up a bit conservatively and just have the faith that we've got players off the bench and we've got that pace on the counter-attack to to do lots of damage I just think that if we go there and try and pose our game we leave ourselves particularly right now when our defence has been so vulnerable just open to to being hurt on the counter-attack ourselves, really. So I don't think there's any shame in going there and just setting up a bit safer than we have done in, in the home matches. So for me, my lineup would be Howard and Goal, Ford and Mendy, wing-backs. Centre-backs are difficult because we've got the injuries at the moment. You can't really say for sure. I, I probably would even say O'Connell, Tozer and, and Boyle still. Just give them this one game and just new good keeper behind you. Go prove that you should keep your place when everyone else is fit. I'd then go O'Connor, James Jones, <laughs> Elliot Lee, and then I'd put Palmer and Bickerstaff up top. Um, although, from an alternative point of view, if it was a former Wrexham player playing up front, I would want them to play against. I wouldn't want them to play against us. So maybe Barrow fans will be dreading Billy Waters' return this weekend. Maybe, maybe Super Billy Waters is going to take off, ignite his Wrexham career. I, for the most part, I, I, you know, I'm. I've mentioned it before. I wouldn't mind at all a, a, a double pivot of Young and O'Connor. I think that's that's a lot more conservative than we've been. I just think the benefit that comes with a clean sheet this weekend, all right, if you draw nil-nil, you'd be disappointed. But Barrow are a good team and they'll be up there. And I think you can take a lot of, a lot away from keeping a clean sheet this weekend if that's paramount, you know, because we are creating chances. We're not going to go and create we're not going to probably go and have 20, 22 shots like we are at home away at Barrow. But if we if we carve out eight to 10 really good chances, I mean, Swindon had, what, eight chances and scored five? Milton Keynes had, had seven, scored five? The teams aren't having many. I know we're maybe gifting really, really high-quality chances, but I wouldn't mind seeing a double pivot, let Lee in a creative role, free him up. He's one of the best players in League Two right now among goals and, and just general performance. Um, aside from that first half against Swindon. And and I think the front two are looking good. They're looking informed. So, um, I mean, that's what we think about us. But the question is, what do we know about Barrow? And the answer 
is not a great deal, but not as much, nowhere near as much as the guest you got to speak to, Rich. No, that is right. This week, I am delighted to say I caught up with Barrow reporter Matthew O'Hara. He covers this club for the news and star up in the Northwest. And here's what he had to say about Wrexham's trip to the Northwest this weekend. So, Matthew, thank you very much for joining us today on the podcast. I suppose the best place to start then is Barrow's season so far in the playoffs after four games, although. Um, what's the sort of general consensus been of Barrow's start to the new campaign? Well, Barrow's start to the new season, it's gone as well as it can go, uh, go really, Rich. Um, you know, when you look at it, the first game of the season, Tranmere away, that's a difficult place to go. Prenton Park, it was buzzing on the opening day of the season and Barrow went down, they got the early goal. Um, it was the club captain, Nal Canavan, who played every single minute last season, who scored the first goal of the season. Ironically, from a set piece, which Pete Wilde was banging on about how we wanted his side to do better at. And then Tranmere got back into the game early in the second half and it was through a penalty and you thought, oh no, this could be the start. You know, just, you know, the away the away fans at Prenton Park, they get up, they're up for it. And then Kean Spence, the young midfielder, came in from Halifax this season, smashed in a wonder volley and you thought, right, now we can start building. And obviously the next weekend they went, um, Sutton came up to uh, Barrow and, you know, it, again, it was a comeback. And then we had the, the midweek draw with Accrington and then obviously we had the Stockport loss. So I guess for any Barrow fans you know they'd be thinking it's a pretty good start to the season considering the opponents have had obviously like I said to go and lose I mean I know it's a loss but only 1-0 to Stockport I mean I feel like the Barrow fans would be pretty happy and as Pete Wilde likes to bang on, bang on about it's a 46 game season you know that there's a lot of football still to be played there is and I think that's on the flip side our Repton fans are quite content at the moment I suppose Everyone knows Wrexham harbour ambitions of of trying to get promoted again this season. What do you think realistically would be a a good season for Barrow? What are the, the club aiming to do this season? Yeah, it, it, it is. It's an interesting question, and one of the things that Wild said um, before they went um, they went down to Stockport last week was about how these big sides, your Wrexham's, your Stockport, your Notts Counties, they, they'll be thinking that promotion is almost a must and for a team like Barrow that really suits them and obviously for the game at the weekend Wrexham have got to come up and get three points they've got to come to the south coast of Cumbria which is you know it's a mentally and logistically it's a difficult place to get to so you know they've got to come up they've got to get the three points and I'm sure Pete Wilde will fancy his Barrow to, to have a go at them and obviously you know as it comes to what would be a good season you know but when Pete Wilde got the job Barrow were teetering on the edge I think they'd finished 21st I mean they were almost out of the football league only a year or two after getting back into it and last season in his debut season he led them to um, their their first top half finish since 1968 I mean that's that's how good this this season was for Barrow and you thought wow I mean you know that that was a good season but now it feels like there's an air of um you know, can they go one better? Which is which is a big thing to say for a club like Barrow. I, I remember writing um, a couple of weeks ago saying anything is possible. And it's, it's such an easy thing to say anything is possible. But for a club like Barrow to be able to say that, you know, we can, we can, you know, we can, we're aiming for the playoffs. We, we might have a go at this, you know, that, that's a massive thing to say. So I feel like the playoffs is the way to go. But, you know, like I said, I feel like it's taken every, every game as it comes and we'll see where they end up. But I feel like he's assembled a group of players. He's got his imprint on the squad now and, you know, we'll see what happens. I guess New Wrexham fans will have, I say, some fond memories, lots of bad memories as well of going to Barrow in the National League. Uh, who are the players to watch out for now? How much, I mean, the, cha- the team has changed quite a bit since the National League days. I mean, 
Pete Wilde's influence, half the team used to play for Halifax, basically, didn't they? I mean, who, who, are, the, who are the key players? Who should you reckon be wary of this weekend? Well, Pete Wilde's really made good use of his non-league connections because he's had to really rebuild this side. I think it's kind of gone under the radar, obviously, in a league where, you know, there's a lot of big spenders and big names come into the league. Um, but Barrow have kind of quietly been going about their business. But that's not to say that they've been quiet. They've actually been rather active. They've made eight um, additions to their um to their first team squad and they lost some key players Josh Gordon obviously left at the end of his contract top scorer last season went to Burton and Josh Kay as well left now he's dropped down a league to go to Files, but he was very versatile and he was useful last season and you know it, Pete Wilde's rebuilt this side with a good mixture of youth and experience so if you look at the experience that's come in you know you've got David Worrell and Jamie Proctor who came in from Port Vale they were instrumental to the Valiant promotion campaign in 21-22 when they went up through the playoffs. And then on the younger side of things, there's a lot of excitement around Emil Aqua. Now, Wilde's been very vocal about how he's protecting Emil. He's already scored twice this season and he looks really pacey, powerful, really exciting, everything you'd want from a young player. But he is admittedly still raw. Definitely one to look out for, but he's, you know, this is his first time we signed him from Maidenhead over the summer. And this is his first time back in pro football, back in full-time football since he was at South End. So, I mean, he he's definitely one to look out for. And I'd also look out for the new look midfield as well. Kean Spence and Dean Campbell have come in as well. Obviously, Barrow already had Sam Foley and Tom White who've been the stalwarts. They've been there. I think Tom White is the only remaining player from Barrow's promotion campaign. Uh, but Kean Spence, like you mentioned before, from Halifax, uh, Pete Wilde playing on his Halifax roots then. Dean Campbell as well. They're both young lads, Dean Campbell, um, impressed at Stevenage. And Wilde's been looking for more goals from midfield because Barrow struggled from goals outside of Josh Gordon last season. So this is a side, it's got experience. They'll be, you know, I think they'll be able to weather different parts of the game. But also I feel like they've got that dynamism and a new bit of youth and kind of exuberance to maybe get at Wrexham as well. What type of st- style of football do, do Barrow play then? I mean, you know, it's all about results in there. And Pete Wilde, we, we know that from his time at Halifax as well, that he can get results. Maybe not always the most attractive football, but you've got to work with what you've got. What can Wrexham fans expect on, on Saturday? Well, what they can expect is Pete Wilde is a very pragmatic manager. He likes his teams to play the way he likes to play. And I think one of the best halves of football I've seen from them is when they played Accrington the other day. They were really free-flowing and attacking. And one of the players I didn't mention just uh, before was Junior Tiencia, came in from um, Solihull Moors. Obviously, he really a kind of your modern fallback who's bombing up the wing, attacking fallback. And um, like, I said, he, like I said, he's a pragmatic manager. Um And Pete Wilde, he said to me the other week, and this really sums him up, his sides are built on solid defences. He's got, like I said, he's got his club captain, Nal Canavan, in there, who played every single minute of league football available to him last season. Um, And so, you know, they'll be a really solid, they'll try to be solid and compact, but Barrow have had a a weird start to the season this season because ten of uh, um, seven of their first 10 away games, um, it's games have been away from home. Um, which is weird because obviously, you know, you know, we want to get your home form and home form was really crucial to Barrow last year. Um, so I feel like they'll they'll be ready to hunker down. They'll be ready to get the pressure. I'm sure Wrexham will want to come up and be on the front foot. But as well, I'm sure this Barrow side will fancy themselves having a go as well. You mentioned there, you know, a solid defence. Obviously, Wrexham scored 13, conceded 13 in the league this season. It's goals galore. We had the 5-0 last weekend. 
are Barrow going to be very difficult for this Wrexham side to break down? And do you reckon? Because on the flip side, I know we can see a lot of goals, but even without Paul Mullen, we've not we've not shied away from goal ourselves. So, do you think Barrow will their best hope will be by keeping a clean sheet and then just seeing what they can nick at the other end? I think Barrow, like I said, Pete Wilder will be really disappointed if his, if his side aren't defensively solid. I think this Wrexham side, he'll want them to work. He won't want them to come up to Holker Street, which is the fortress, the Barrow fortress. He won't want them to come up and just knock on the door and get everything they want. He'll really want to battle. He'll want Wrexham to fight for everything they want. And I think there's still um, a check to be done on Paul Farm and the goalkeeper. I know he wasn't available for Stockport. I think they were checking him earlier this week. He had a bit of a quad injury. Um, so Josh Lillis had been stepping in. Who's he's had a bit of a hybrid role this season. Josh has he's um, been a bit of a coach as well, player coach, which Wild's fond of as well. Jason Taylor did it last year and has now moved into the site club's new B team. Um, so like I said, I think like I said, Barrow will be looking for the clean sheet. It's a hard thing to do. Wrexham will come up, like you said, goals galore the five five last week. I mean, you couldn't believe what you were listening to when you saw it, but. Um, yeah, I, I think it will be a t- tight one to begin with. That's how Pete Wilde likes to play. He likes his sides to be solid, and then we'll see how it develops from there. But like I said to you just before, I would be surprised if Barrow don't have a go, especially at home, given the fact that they've had the limited home game so far this season. You mentioned there the, the UB team this season. I understand that Barrow did play Wrexham reserves this week and absolutely thrashed them. Well, very young Wrexham side. You know, it wasn't technically sort of Wrexham reserve team, but where is the focus from Barrow on that? Then they never, they've never had a sort of reserve team before or an official sort of setup. There is that something they're they're keen to sort of push on with this season. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a way of basically tapping into those um, kind of. Premier League and Championship Academies because you get a lot of players that drop out of these academies. I mean, it's the nature of football. Not every player in a big academy is going to be, you know, the next, you know, Marcus Rashford or Bukayo Saka. Do you know what I mean? They're, that's not the way this works. But there's a lot of players, talent still available. And for Barrow, I think it's a way of, you know, farming that talent, getting them in. And it, Pete Wilde has a phrase that he always likes to use. He says, firstly, a player is a football asset to the club and then they become a financial asset. And that's the way that he's been operating. Like I said, I mentioned with these young players that have been coming in, the Aquas, the Tiencias. These are players that are going to help Barrow right now, but in the future could make them a nice bit of coin as well. So, But another thing with the B-side is Barrow have got quite a small squad. Now, Pete Wilde, likes to have a small squad. He doesn't like having too many players jostling for positions. He likes, obviously, to have that competition. I mean, you look at the front line, they've got about four strikers who, you know, will all be vying for places, but he likes a tight-knit group. And when you're around the club, you can sense that. You can sense that all the lads are on the same page. Um, So that's another kind of thing of the B team is if push comes to shove, and these players need to be deployed, the younger lads, then they can be. And a, a couple of them, Owen Bray, who is in the Leeds United Academy, Sean Etaluku as well, who's come in. He's one that's impressed, kind of pacey winger, who's featured on the bench a couple of times. So th- this B team, it's it's a really, it's a new venture for Barrow, which sounds quite quite strange in the modern era of football, but it, it's quite exciting around the club because it, it's kind of one of those signs of Pete Wilde and how his staff and how the club now is really focused focusing on development. So it, it's an exciting time. And like I said, this B team kind of really personifies that. One player we can't maybe carry on avoiding from that point of view, Billy Waters, signed from Barrow last season. Things just haven't worked out for him at all in North Wales so far. He had to score a, a competitive goal for the club, handful of appearances, basically fourth choice striker now, and that's with Paul Mullen sidelined. 
Will he come good, do you reckon? I mean, Wrexham fans, I suppose, from their point of view, don't still quite know what type of player he is. We've just not seen enough of him. And like I said, things just haven't worked out. Of course, one goal could change that. A hat-trick against Barrow this weekend, for example, could emphatically change his fortunes. But what have you made of his time at Wrexham? Are you surprised by how little he's played and the fact that he's not scored yet? Yeah, well, it, the move in itself was pretty unsurprising because he's a talented lad. You know, you look at last season, you look at the goal scoring charts. I mentioned to you there that they'd lost Josh Gordon, but Billy Waters as well was putting the goals in as well for Barrow. I think he was, I think he might still have been after he left that second highest scorer. And that at the season's close as well, I think he remained in that. I think he had eight or nine goals off the top of my head. But, you know, so when he got the move, it was kind of, you know, for Wrexham, who towards the back end of last season, when it looked like they were going to come up, I think, you know, they kind of went into building mode, you know, let's get ready for when we do come up. And I thought Billy Waters was a shrewd acquisition, but it's one of those where I'm, I'm a, I am a bit surprised that he hasn't featured a bit more because like I said, he's a, he's a talented lad. And we had um, a funny kind of um, event the other other week in the office where um, when we signed Emil Aqua, um, our Barrow media man had put a um, gif on which had water on it. And I thought... Never. I thought, is Billy Waters back? They've, you know, you sold him to Wrexham and then you get him back after he hasn't played a couple of times. Now, that didn't play out like that. I had my fantasy. I was writing up all my, all my articles and stuff like that. The Waters return. But no, like I said, he's a talented lad. And I feel like in League Two, there's going to be a lot of football, a lot of tough places to go. Barrow is potentially one of the toughest places to go. A lot of travelling, your midweeks as well. So, you know, the Wrexham squad, it's going to have to be utilised, as I'm sure it already has been when they were, you know, in the in the National League as well. So eventually Billy Waters will get his opportunity and I suppose it's down to him to take it. This weekend, the final question. I know we hate doing predictions. I'm not going to ask him over a scorecast, but, but what do you expect the, the full-time result to be? Do you expect Barry to get something from the game? Yeah, like like I said to you before, I think Pete Wilde would be very disappointed if his side don't get something from the game because, you know, when you've got your home games and when your success last season, which was historic, was built on home form, you've got to, you know, you've got to take on all comers. Um, thinking about full time, I, I, I am thinking of a draw. I think both sides will have a go and potentially could cancel each other out in that regard. Solid defences, having a go at each other. Yes, the bias side of me wants to say the Barrow will run away with it, but I think it'll be a tight one and I think it'll be a surprise for a lot of Wrexham fans, obviously, who maybe have just been introduced to the club through, obviously, the success of it and, you know, they'll be thinking, well, we're going up to this little little town in South Cumbria, how, how, um, how good could they be? Now, obviously, the veteran Wrexham fans will obviously have their experience is when they've faced each other in non-league, as you as you mentioned before. But like I said, I think Barrow will be there to, um, you know, rip up the script this this uh, this weekend. Away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with muck delivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, 
When it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. So Naif, Matthew there saying that it's going to be a tricky one for Wrexham. They're certainly confident. They've had a, a good start to the season themselves. Just to run you back through Barrow's results in the league at the time of recording, they are seventh in the table. Of course, they beat Tranmere away on the opening day, folded it up with a 2-1 win over Sutton, drew one all away at Accrington and then lost 1-0 away at Stockport. So a team who don't concede many goals. You know, that they've only conceded one goal in any game this season. So I know they've not kept a clean sheet yet themselves, but they, they do keep it relatively tight by Wrexham standards. Scored five, conceded four. Of course, we scored 13, conceded 13. So, yeah, it's going to be a tricky one. And Nath, you know, we are such a different team away from home, which most, most sides are, and there's a variety of factors for that. And, yeah, I think just any form of an away win would be brilliant this weekend. But... I wouldn't be devastated if it was a draw. No, I, I definitely, I definitely wouldn't. I've got a lot of respect for Pete Wilde, what he did at Oldham, um, and you know Halifax and and Barrow, highly thought of for a reason. Um, I've got a lot of time for Pete Wilde, and and Barrow, uh, 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 many well, not many people, but a few people's dark horse for those playoff spots. They're looking at Barrow, thinking that they could, they could do some things. It's not an easy place to go. That's the old cliche, but Barrow definitely falls into that category of being a tricky place to go. We're still evolving as a team. I think we've had a, we've had the reality check, check. We've come down with a bit of a bump. Um, I think you you sort of summed it up eloquently quite on um, on on Talksport this week, where you sort of said that there are that group that are happy to be back in the league, and I think we're both in that camp. We are just you know happy to be going to these proper grounds, and, and it's, but at the yeah. end of the day, that's going to wear off. That will fade. You know that is like a. Um, you know, an aftershave that will eventually disappear. It, it, it's nice for now, but it's not going to. It can't last the whole season. It won't last for me anyway. The whole season, just being in the league and just no, making up I, the numbers. What yeah, what I'd say there is, yeah. Thank you very much for the plug. I was on Talksport this week. You can check out the podcast. They tweeted it one of the days. I was on Hawksby and Jacobs' show to give the Wrexham perspective on the season so far. Um, but what I'd also say is, it reminds me of Wales at the World Cup, Nath. That there is going to be a, a backbone of people saying. I'm just happy to be here. We've not been, you know, in the world, to the world, to the World Cup for for so many years, and it was nice just to be there. But fundamentally, the performances weren't good enough, and Wales were really poor and gave a bad account for themselves. So I, I agree with that. That right now I'm in the honeymoon phase. I'm I'm just happy to see the Sky Bet logo logo on my sleeve. I'm happy to see Wrexham having these big matches again with with so many teams we've not faced for years. But fundamentally. We're not here to make up the numbers. We've got genuine ambitions of trying to get promoted. And whether that's, that again could be a two year project, I wouldn't be too fussed if it meant, you know, we solidify this year. Next season, we go even stronger. I, I personally wouldn't worry too much, but fundamentally, the performances just haven't been good enough this season. But I'm willing to overlook them right now. But you're right, if they continue and go on deeper into the year, there is some serious issues there. So right now, Rexima. I'm not, you know, they're, they're still maybe living off the success of last season to a degree, and we're still very happy with them. But we can't overlook 
the shortcomings for, for too much longer. Right now, I'm, I'm quite content, but we shall see what, what lies ahead. One of the big talking points, Rich, then, of and it's kind of come up not just on our podcast, but just general, you know, on Rex and Twitter, um, the curious case of a certain Jake Bickerstaff. Now, I've said on Twitter Spaces that we host after after some of the games and on here that I I still firmly believe in a lone move. I think the general momentum, the general feeling now is that it's leaning towards people think he should stay, develop in-house, work around quality players. Um, okay, for example, it won't always work, depending on the size of the club, but for example, Scott Butler, who people highly rate as a defender, you saw him altering him last season, Rich. He's gone on loan to Nantwich. He's still training, I believe, at Wrexham. Uh, I think he might train one day a week with Nantwich, but he's the rest with Wrexham. Um, you're probably not going to get that if you go to a National League club or, or you know, a, a kind of... Um, that's probably where Jake Bickstaff go National League. I, it's a tricky old one because... I mean, this is what Jake Bickerstaff said this week when asked about it. So, obviously, he scored a very good goal. It was Mullin-esque, really, that finish. Um, where he runs down the um, the byline and, and just hammers it in, really at the uh, the, the cop end. But Jay Bickstaff was asked about, you know, what does he want now? What what does he see for his future, immediate future? This is what he told the the leader. He said, "I just want to carry it on now. I want to play games. Um, I've spoken to the gaffer a couple of times, and we've both agreed that regular games is best for me. It is the most important thing." If a loan move is the right thing for me and the gaffer is okay with it, as long as I get regular games, that is the most important thing. He goes on to add, but I am more than happy to stay and it is different to last year having a couple of extra substitutes. I'm happy the fans have seen me play. I just like working hard on the pitch and hopefully I can create something for the fans which they can enjoy. Um, so he's, he's kind of left himself open there for both scenarios, Rich, and maybe that's where we are. Maybe we're at a point where Parky said himself, Jake Bickerstaff has given them something to think about. It's brilliant. He's done all he can do, really, hasn't he, right now? But there are two really compelling trains of thought there, aren't there, that that you can take either way, really. I mean, for him, and personally, I think what he needs now is just to carry on playing every week. And fundamentally, when Paul Mullen comes back, that just won't happen. Because, yes, we need to be careful of Paul Mullen, but the majority of the time, Paul Mullen plays 80 minutes plus. And that means that Bickerstaff is getting 10 minutes when, you know, Mullins already ran his race. And right then, you know, no matter how well he performed, you're not going to push Paul Mullen out of the team. And I know certain players, I know we were probably saying that with Dolby at a stage, he's not going to push Palmer out of the team. But I think Mullins is just a different case. I, I really think it is. And for me, I think Jake just needs to be playing now. He's got that that first, he's in good form, he's confident, he's, he's scoring different types of goals. He... He, he plays so well in the channels. He, you know, he holds up the, the ball well. He knows how to finish. I think he just needs to be going out and, and playing a full season now. And I just think that this momentum he's got from being Wrexham's go-to guy at the moment for for goals, really, is, is the actual goal scoring striker. He needs to carry that on somewhere else. And I fully get why Wrexham might want to be selfish and say, "Look, why would we want to loan him out? He can do do a job, and he can get chances off the bench. He can he can add goals this season." You know, he could genuinely, genuinely be looking to try and get 10 or 12 goals for Exxon in the league this season. That isn't past him whatsoever if he had the full season. But I just think he needs to go somewhere else and be their number nine, be their go-to guy for a team to rely on him, for him to have that responsibility. You know, if he's ever going to be ready for Exxon, he's got to have got to have proven himself elsewhere, really. He's got to have had that, that full season, I think, under his belt at, 
a comparable level. So yeah, for me, I think that no matter how well he is, I still think that Wrexham should loan him out with the opportunity to, to terminate the loan in January if we needed to, which the other team would hopefully agree to. I know that would be difficult to, to actually do. And then just see how we get on, really. You know, worst case, I'm sure Wrexham could get someone else in if they needed to um, as an emergency or someone else on a short-term loan. But I think when Mullen's back, I just can't see Bickerstaff getting the chances that, that he deserves. Two words you said there that really stuck out to me. Comparable level. Because people will say, well, he's already been out on loan twice. At a, at a non-comparable level. At a, a Welsh prep. At a level that just isn't going to... If he cuts it there, and he was even younger then, Still a young lad now. I know he's over the over that twenty one age, and and um, you know does does count towards the the squad registration list. Curious case of that squad registration list, Rich. I, I wonder if there aren't any departures. Um, you know, it is someone like a Liam McAlinden who ended up playing in the reserves this week. He must have felt so old in that because he was playing with a load of sixteen, seventeen year olds. Lost five one to Barrow. Hopefully, they won the battle and we end up winning the war on the weekend, as they say. Um, you know, it, 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 we've said it before, but if they keep Bickerstaff, someone's going to get left out. Someone is going to be there and, and, and someone is getting loaned out. Someone is getting loaned out or sold between now and the end of the window because we currently have too many players over the age of 21 to fit in that squad. So I still think Bickerstaff, my argument is, and I, like I said, copped a bit of flack for this. My argument for Bickerstaff going out on loan is it's not because I don't rate him. It's not because I don't think he's good enough or couldn't score goals or contribute. It's because I think the reason he's improving by the game, I thought he was better against Swindon than he was, um, you know, against who was it Walsall before that. Is because I think he's playing these these high high volume minutes, so you're just improving all the time. You know, there was one time where he ran through against Swindon. I'm convinced that he was fouled and hauled down. I'm not sure if it was last man, but I'm convinced he was brought down and and the movement, the way he was rolling off players was just showing me that he'd done that against Warsaw and it hadn't worked. He hadn't quite figured out the the drop the shoulder and maybe how to just manoeuvre some room. I think he is I think he's evolving all the time and getting better. So it it's a it's a tricky one because the argument is, well if he's getting better all the time, surely just be selfish and keep him and, and figure out a way to make him, you know, is he the third guy now? Is he the next one up as soon as you make a striker sub? Is it going to be him ahead of Dolby? Um, I think I don't think I, I, think, I don't think Dolby's yeah. become a bad player overnight. We had our big striker debate. You can watch that on YouTube now if you want to go and and really listen back to that. I don't think it's changed that much based solely on the Swindon game. But uh, what I'm reading from those quotes well, of his point, and, and Parky's that's the yeah. contrary to me though, Nate. That you, you mentioned there that if Bickerstaff went on loan, I wouldn't be comfortable with just Bick, with just Dolby and Waters as in reserve for the full season. Well, there you so go. I do think we need need that fifth choice. It's whether it's Bickerstaff or someone else. But like you said, due to the squad limitations, I think it's fanciful to say we get rid of Bickerstaff and, and get someone in maybe before deadline day. But my dream scenario would be that, I think. My dream scenario would be to loan up Bickerstaff and get someone else in who I will feel confident of scoring goals when, when required. Because, you know, I just don't think Dolby and Waters are the backup calibre we we maybe need if we want to actually win this this league or or go up automatically. Yeah, I mean, there have been um, names floated about. I, I struggle to see a scenario where Wrexham don't make a, a splash between now and the end of the window. I mean, there isn't long left, Rich, you've got to be honest. It's just over a week now. I think is it a week on Friday, maybe? 
Um, so, you know, day after you're listening to this, there isn't long, but for anyone, for any new listeners who are just getting into Wrexham or been following Wrexham for a little while, deadline days can get chaotic, aren't they, Rich? It's everybody's seen maybe a striker because they've seen a number plate that looks similar or they've seen someone picking up a pasty in the nearby Greg's or they've seen so-and-so washing his clothes in Gwersal. It's uh, There's lots of different theories and uh, it's a chaotic, chaotic day, which I'm sure we'll be doing our best to kind of cover. But it, there are some big decisions to make. I think not season defining, but I mean, you don't get a chance to rectify it until January. So th- there is consequence to the actions that Wrexham make in the next week. And, you know, they're very good at keeping it, keeping it on the low and keeping it on the down low. They don't want to pay a Wrexham tax, but Rich, surely there's going to be incomings and outgoings in the next seven, seven days. Yeah, there's got to be a compromise. And I know throughout the summer, the club was sort of saying we're, we're very well positioned for lead two. We don't even feel we need to really buy players if we have to. We've, we've got a good enough squad already. I do think that once the football's actually started, we've realised there are a hell of a lot of good teams here. You know, what is it? Was it was it Michael Flint at the start of the season who said there were 16 teams? Or was it Pete Wilder or someone? There was a manager we quoted, wasn't there, this way in the summer who said he thought there were 16 teams capable of getting promoted this season. And yeah, I'm, I'm starting to believe that now that we're actually in amongst it. But, you know, there are a hell of a lot of good teams. And I was just looking around the league thinking, how does anyone ever get enough points to get promoted here? Because everyone's got to be taking points from one another. How do you ever build up the momentum? And it is about doing it early doors and trying to get that that cushion between you and the chasing pack, really. I think early on, having that momentum is, is going to be going to be key. I do think Wrexham will come good by the end and towards the end. I'm just hoping we've not got too much of a gap to, to sort of chase up there. So we shall wait and well, see. Rich, Rich, you know what else I was thinking, though? And I did think about this after the Swindon result. And I was kind of a little bit... I was happy, but then when it died down, I was a little bit deflated at just how poor the first half had been. We got something like... They, they reckon you need about 78, 79 points. That's that's ten defeat. We can afford ten defeats based on what we did last season. Ten losses. No, we're ahead of schedule, aren't we? So what yeah, I'm saying, you know, what, well. what I'm saying is, you you can afford to lose a hell of a lot more games. I think we kind of got used to this idea that we need to be perfect and we need to be invincible. You don't. Like you just said it there yourself. Teams are going to be taking points off every time I look at the results. It's like, oh wow, Newport have just slapped Doncaster for four goals, and then next minute, Crew are beating New- Newport two four two. And then next week, crew are getting turned over by Accrington. And then the week after that, Accrington are getting turned over by... And it, it's never ending. It's like an animal that's just like constantly eating eating its the rest of its group, basically. It's just everybody's killing each other. It's... Um, I mean, I, it must be a bet. Rx and the apex predator. That's the question, isn't it? Must it? Be a, it must be a, bet, a betting shop's dream and a, and a better's nightmare because it's just impossible to predict. Um, it really is. A, some of the results, I mean, just... Every week you think, oh, that's nailed on. And if I've learned anything in the short time we've been back in League Two, not one game I feel comfortable with saying is a gimme, is a nailed on result because we could have won some of the games we've drawn. We could have lost easily all the games. Um, yeah, what a what a wild experience it's been so far. Speaking of games that you're not 100% sure about the result, Wrexham will also be back in action in the Carabao Cup. Before we, well, before we're scheduled to return, who who the hell knows what's going to happen between now and the next podcast? I mean, we might have another emergency one. Bradford in the second round of the Carabao Cup, the Carabao's next Tuesday. I won't be going because getting back from Tuesday games is 
a absolute nightmare. It took me two hours to get back from Walsall the other day, and I was on the 7 a.m. shift the day after. So it's just not feasible at, at this moment in time for me. But yeah, Bradford, Carabao Cup, how are you feeling about that? I mean, there is the incentive there that the third round, okay, you're not guaranteed to get a massive draw, but Premier League teams become involved then, and that is tasty. I like I like the idea that when the draw was being done and I was kind of ready prepping the graphics and it was all coming out and I was like, Oh hey, That was the night that. I was at that was the night I was at Johnny Marr. There at you go. Central Station when they did the Paul Mullen chant. Yeah. Johnny Marr made the the bad mistake of trying to ingratiate himself with the locals and said, Does anyone here know Paul Mullen? And he was expected to go into a new song. And he had to just sit there, oh, stand there while everyone sung the Paul Mullen chant and sort of derailed the gig for a minute before he could get it back on track. Um, so I was watching the, I mean, in fairness, very quickly, that looked like a decent little gig venue. I've never been to the rocking chair, but uh, that that did look good. But when I was watching the draw... A very sweet pint of rectum lager. I don't uh, think it was, I think there was something up with the, oh, really? with the taps or, or the pipes or whatever it is. Yeah, it, it did not taste right. Oh, God. Uh, well, rocking chair, sort your taps out, basically. Um, so I'm watching the draw and I'm thinking, oh, hey, every time the draw, you know, every time the ball was coming out and Martin O'Neill was speaking to the ball. And we got Bradford, and I was kind of like, meh, that's a that's a bit of a meh draw. It's it's Mark Hughes coming back. It's it's a big team. They'll bring a lot of fans, even on that Tuesday night. But it's another League Two team. And it, it wasn't maybe the, you know, it wasn't Leeds, or, or it wasn't, you know, maybe one of the big ones could have got Everton. Um, but it's winnable at home. It's winnable. And uh, Bradford have had a ropey start to the season. Maybe that'll be the night they get to kickstart theirs. Um, maybe it'd be the night we get to really kick on stamp our authority. Look at Wigan, you know, we were a lot better there. No, we won on pens. But yeah, look, you could have Man City, you could have Man United, you could have Liverpool. You know, imagine Paul Mullen. I would, the reason I'd love to play Liverpool is just for Mullen. I just think that'd be what a reward. Mullen at Anfield. What a reward that'd be for touching, him. Yeah, you know. touching the Anfield sign, scoring. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love it. I want these players to have that reward of a big cup tie early in the season where it doesn't really matter. You get the positives of a cup run that can launch your campaign. But it's just also inconsequential. It doesn't yeah. really matter. And it's out of the way by mid-September then. So, yeah, for me, I just want... I'd love United or City. You know, from, from my work point of view, working for the Manchester News, I would love Wrexham away at City to just do, just do them over. That would be my bloody... To watch <laughs> or watch the, the outcry when I've got to deal with all these Man United aggregator accounts and all these Man United fans on Twitter. The outcry when Aaron Hayden... You know, when we beat them again, we've already beat them in preseason. To beat them at Old Trafford, knock them out of the Carabao Cup, I would. To go, Kevin Keegan, I would love it. I would love could it. You ima- could you imagine if it was like Phil Parkey was uh, running down, doing the Mourinho down there? There's no way he would. But could you just imagine if last minute winner? He's too, from, he's too magnanimous. Last for that. minute but winner I, from Billy again, Waters. Which is the again, worst, Rich? Which, know, which, which, which is the worst away end there though? Because the one in Old Trafford, you're sort of buried in the corner, and then. In I City. think that is the worst away end by the fact that the food and drink on offer is diabolical. <laughs> and what worse worse than what we're offering than our gums to us? It's like it's the the, the opposite of whatever footy scran is. It's like the <laughs> the depths of of food. I mean, it's not even food. Some of the stuff they serve at Old Trafford, <laughs> I really you know do not envy anyone in that away end. But yeah, I think just for. I mean, the history of it all yeah. being United away at Old Trafford would be would be massive. But of course, you know, City. Well, we, I tell you what, if any, if any, if any of the Bradford players end up putting this on for God knows whatever reason, they'll be they'll be pin. If you can pin a podcast up, 
they'll be playing it out through the race course away away dressing room speakers saying they're already getting ahead of themselves they're already planning um city and united and liverpool um we're not doing that we're just being fans and we're looking forward to hopefully getting through but it'll be an interesting old game andy cook someone that could have ended up at wrexham in a wrexham shirt never did um I don't know what you what you expect. And I think we'll go fairly strong for that, Rich. I think there's no reason to really... We didn't go too weak against Wigan. Um, you know, is that a game you reintroduce Mullen for 20 minutes? We don't know. He's back in training. And does it... Do you get Aaron Hayden back in for that one? Is there, you know, an opportunity for... Is that where you start forward? Is that where you start Barnett? Is that a chance for Luke McNicholas? For example, I would play Luke McNicholas. Others might say, well, just get Mark Howard as many minutes as he can. Um, and just get him as much up to speed and play him again. Decision, decisions. But I think I definitely, I think one of the, if we end up going through, going out, I'd love to come away from that game thinking, right, we know what Luke McNicholas is about now. We've got a, we've got more of a feel that is this a lad that's building for the future? Is this a lad that's going to be here for six months and then he'll be packing his bags in January? Yeah, I agree with that. And you're right. I did get a bit giddy there thinking we're already in the third round. It's not going to be that easy at all. And for me, I think that the approach of the game should be to play a similar team to the one that beat Wigan in the last round or a few changes, give minutes to players who are hungry and have a point to prove. If you win, brilliant. If you lose, it doesn't really matter so much. You've not really missed out on on much anyway. So yeah, I think for me, I, I agree with you. I want to know answers and it's an opportunity to to take those risks and, and not have to worry too much if you lose the game. But we will wait and see. And I suppose we will be back next week to discuss whatever happened in the Carabao Cup. And potentially, who knows, maybe we'll have one of our dream away draws in the third round. But we shall wait and see. This game, this weekend's game against Barrow is far more important. So thank you very much for joining us today on Rob Ryan Red. Thank you very much, Naif, once again. Thank you very much. Fingers crossed. I'm going to go uh, Wrexham 1, Barrow 1 and Wrexham 3, Bradford 2. I'm going Wrexham 0, Barrow 0, Wrexham 2, Bradford City 1. Uh, we should back and see you next week if Iris were anywhere near on those. Neither has predicted Wrexham 5, Swindon 5, so I don't think we're going to be, be... We can't be much far off this weekend, surely. Uh, thank you very much to Red 10 People Development for sponsoring the podcast. Once again, without them, it simply wouldn't be possible. Thank you very much to Wrexham-based band Hypnotic for the stings and music we use. And thank you very much to you for listening wherever you are in the world. Take care, and we'll see you again next time. Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates are around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. 
your mate's already got butt for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.